Hi, and welcome to the Unhinged History Podcast, the podcast where Angie and I spend the first 15 minutes chatting about waking up to poop, and then we remember to hit record. <laughs> I'm Teresa. I'm Angie. And this is Poop Talk. You thought you were here for history. You were wrong. The history of poop. And kids. Everybody poops. They do. Don't be judgy. And everybody with kids has grotesque poop stories that you think, as an aunt, you can be on par with. You think you can hang. You don't have kids, but you know what? You've babysat a time or two. You've got this. No, you don't. Not until you no. can hold a 15-minute conversation about meconium deadpan, <laughs> unironically. <laughs> or that that's the conversation you have with your husband over a romantic candle at dinner. You know, this pesto sauce in the candlelight kind of reminds me of. Do you remember when he was only about three months old? Do you remember the time <laughs> she got the turdlet shoved up her nose? <laughs> I don't ever call it a turdlet. <laughs> <laughs> what else is it? I mean, that, impli- that implies it was cute, you know? Okay. The story in and of itself <laughs> is, is adorable altogether, including the part where I nearly threw up in the sink. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I, that makes one of us. I mean, what somebody has to be, right? You know what? You're not. Are you wrong? No, we all, all everybody has to have at least one person to be proud of them. And if. If you are the one who is proud of me, then boy, my bar is pretty low. It's actually on the ground. Yes, <laughs> that's why. At least, you know, I dug a hole to get underneath it. One of these yeah. days, I'll get like a former U.S. president to be proud of me as well. But I feel like the bar is lower than others on that one. Honestly, there's not many former U.S. presidents with which the bar would be higher. Fair. <laughs> Though, speaking of the ground, you know what I did today? And I would like to just say thank you for putting up with my timing this day. My child had to go to work, but that's neither here nor there. But whilst waiting for him to go to work, he was doing his home chores. Yeah. And that included, like, I asked him last night to like make, make sure he weeded down as far as he possibly could all over our backyard. Because I have a project in my mind that I would like to sure, begin. Oh, okay. 11 years ago when we moved into this house, there were five very large juniper bushes planted just outside our bedroom window, and they drove Ian and I crazy from the get. We spent the first three or four years living here just trying to kill them. And the next several trying to remove the stumps. Ethan and I did it today. Well done. I like that your son has already outmaneuvered the father. I think it was the 18 weeks of rain. It plants hate rain? Uh, Well, because they're already dead, so the ground was just finally soft enough where the lower roots, we could finally get to them and break them. Okay. Is my guess. Because I know that dad is still stronger, (laughs) and I say that because recently I asked Ethan to move the fridge because I just think that I've watched him pick an entire table up and just hold it for me while I vacuumed underneath it. So I didn't think moving the fridge was going to be hard, but he couldn't do it. It's Dad only did. hundreds of pounds. Yeah. Dad That's... did it with like, just. It could have been technique. 
the way you just like pantomimed that it could have just been hey i'm like there are some people who can fold a fitted sheet that doesn't mean that they are smarter or they're better but they're better if they can fold you know what they're better especially the man on tiktok who can do it while dancing dirty (laughs) oh god bless them that's one of my favorite places of tiktok you know chore porn is a real thing (laughs) and i have told my husband this for two reasons one it, it it is nice two i want photographic evidence of him doing something i can refer back to that I can just be like, oh, you know what? I know I'm this stuck in a dry so meeting, hot. but uh, I guarantee you all the shredding has been done. You know what? This so isn't hot. my favorite, but that fifth load of laundry being folded and put away. Mm. Oh, my God. Excuse me. You know what? I don't blame you. Think about think about him cleaning out that dryer lint. It's the folding and putting away part. <laughs> <laughs> that is my least favorite chore i'll do dishes all day long if it means i never have to go near the laundry wow yeah and see i am all about the machines if the machines that are automating the work like the washer the dryer the dishwasher i want them running at all times or i want not and bit of evidence that they need to be used i, I wholly agree i wholly agree um so all of these machines are like super high tech and wonderful and like the allergen i love them to death they're the best machines ever but it's the holding the socks afterwards like there isn't a machine for that yet and i'll have the patience for that throw out everyone's socks you have boys <laughs> right three boys in your yeah. house i mean ian's a boy bless him um <laughs> But everybody gets nondescript black socks. There's no matching. Okay, so I'm going to tell you, there actually was a time where um, that was the case. Um, Both the younger boys had the exact same socks. And then when Ethan's feet got just a hair bigger than Owen's feet, like to the point where they couldn't wear, you know. And that was only a short time that they were even able to wear the same socks at the same time, but they i just got them each their own color like owen was striped and ethan was solids boom done like super easy why why even do that like just the same just the exact same you get five pairs of socks you get five pairs of socks you know how we all have sensory things yeah minus socks okay you know what (laughs) say no more minus conversation if you need God bless my husband. All right. Well, I mean, look, I <laughs> all you had to do is say we have sensory things and this is socks. And I'm going to be like, done. I feel that. You know yeah. what? This doesn't even need any more conversation. No, further. I understand. <laughs> yeah. You know, if I were a police officer, I pulled you over and you just said socks. I'd be like, you know what? You may go. You're right. <laughs> you may go. I, everything I've got beyond this is inconsequential. Sorry about your day, ma'am. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> Sending you my best. <laughs> so, theoretically, when we look at, you know, how these podcasts play out, you went last. 
I did you, go last. You did go last. Um, do you want me to go or do you, do you want to go like? Um, I mean, it, it doesn't matter to me. My story is rather short. There's okay. not a ton of information. So if you wanted me to go first, we could see if that's too little time. And because I know your story is much bigger than mine. Right. So, I mean, how about this? I'll just go. Okay. Because you, you went last time, right? Right. And so then if it did take the whole time, then golly gee willikers, you're off the hook. Then we already have next time. That works for me. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about somebody you already know. But I'm going. Please be Mrs. Doubtfire. No, only because I can't (laughs) find the real person, the real Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, But well, it's not Mrs. Doubtfire. It's somebody you definitely know. Okay. But I am likely going to be adding color and nuance. And I, I am betting dollars to donuts you don't know the nuance I'm going to add. Okay, hit me. All I'm right. so excited. I'm over here like going through my ro- my mental Rolodex. Okay. <laughs> okay, hit me with it. So I'm going to tell you about Sally Ride. Sally Ride. I actually, the name does not sound familiar to me. I guarantee it. I guarantee very, very, very soon you will know exactly who I'm talking okay. about. And I'm going to read to you the news articles or the, my sources and by the news articles, you will already know the nuance, but the story itself is, is what you're here for. Okay. I'm here for your amazing hair and personality, to be honest. The story is just a blessing. None of them were brushed today. (laughs) Your amazing hair or your personality? (laughs) Neither groomed. (laughs) Neither groomed. Live your truth, sister. You know what? Um, Up until 2.30 PM, I was in bed. Actually, take back. It was two. <laughs> it was two p.m. and oh, I got out of that. Makes it better. <laughs> I was like, you know, I do need to move some files around, so I've got storage space to record a podcast with Angie, and she's gonna be wanting the link soon. All right, these are all um, the things. My so God, my I sources: mean. Reader's Digest, thirteen LGBTQ plus heroes that you didn't learn about in history class by Tamara Green or Gain. Space.com, Sally Ride, The First American Woman in Space by Kim Ann Zimmerman. NASA.com has a biography on her. Is she the one with like uh, permed curly hair? Yes. I didn't know. Okay. Slate.com, Sally Ride's Secret, Why the First American Woman in Space Stayed in the Closet by Lynn Cher. Oh, sister, sister went to space. Yeah. Sister can do whatever sister wants. NBC Los Angeles Sally Ride comes out of corp out of orbit sparking debate by Fallon Oxwusa. Could you say that name again? Probably Oxwusa. It's O K W U O S A. Today on our morning show, Teresa is now a morning talk show DJ. <laughs> ba, ba, ba. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I do what I can. I do need a soundboard. Um, okay. So effects <laughs> Sally, Sally Ride, the first female NASA astronaut. And I do have to say 
you know, U.S. because there were other females that did make it out there before she did. She was also the first woman to fly in space. So there's all these little caveats, right? Like the first American one to do this, the first one. Well, but this one actually did this. So they all have their own separate. Okay. Sally Wright is well known as one of the most famous women in, in flight. What most people don't talk about is that she was also the first, I mean, not necessarily openly gay astronaut, but okay. So she technically is the first openly gay astronaut, even though that this acknowledgement of her being openly gay, and that's in quotes, comes after her retirement from NASA. So in 2013, a year after her passing, Obama honors her accomplishments with a posthumous Presidential Medal of Freedom, which was accepted by her partner of 27 years. Oh, wow. So deeply committed. Okay. Born in Encino, California. May 26, 1951, Sally Kristen Ride was the oldest of two daughters of Dale Ride and Carol Joyce Ride. Her father was a professor of political science and her mother was a counselor. I also want to pause and say little sister's first name. Any guesses? Lucy. Bear. <gasps> Bear Ride. Yeah. I mean, high school must have been not pleasant. Ooh. But, uh, I mean, still fascinating. I Anyhow. I feel like an entire podcast could be just on this woman's name. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Carry um, on then. So neither of her parents have a background in physical science, but she credits them with fostering her deep interest in science by encouraging her to explore. As you do. So Ride first fosters a friendship with a girl named Tam O'Shaughnessy at the age of 12, and both of them played tennis together. Okay. Okay. As an athletic youngster, Ride attends Westlake School for Girls, a prep school in Los Angeles on a partial tennis scholarship. She graduates in 68, and after a brief four-way into professional tennis, she returns to California to attend the University of Stanford. She received her Bachelor of Science in Physics, a Bachelor of Arts degree in English in 73. Furthering her studies at Stanford, she obtained a Master of Science degree in 75 and went on to get her doctorate in physics in 78. Get it. Yeah. So she was not messing around. After completing her studies in Stanford, Ride applied to the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. <laughs> As everyone does. You know, just because <laughs> what else are you going to do? You've ran out of... You know, all of your placards for degrees are filled. You know, you've hit every achievement unlocked that you could get in the education department. So next, you got to go to NASA. That checks. She bested thousands of applicants and was accepted as one of NASA's first female six, first six female astronauts and began spaceflight training in 78. During this whole time, she's retained or maintain this relationship with Tam O'Shaughnessy and O'Shaughnessy had earned her PhD from us or UC Riverside and went on to become a professional tennis player herself. Okay. Get it ladies. Yeah. So they're, they're both not slouches. Yeah, no, they sound busy. So ride starts her aeronautics career on the ground, serving as a capsule communicator, you know, Capcom for, for those of us who are uninitiated. 
as part of the ground support crew for the second and third shuttle flights in November of 81 and March of 82. At 32, Wright experiences her first spaceflight mission as a specialist on the STS-7, NASA's seventh shuttle mission aboard the spaceflight Challenger. The mission launched June 18, 1983 and returned to Earth on on June 24th. The tasks on the mission included launching communication satellites for Canada and Indonesia. The astronauts also conducted the first successful satellite deployment and retrieval in space using the shuttle's robotic arm. During that flight, Ride became the first woman to operate the shuttle's robotic arm. Nice. So just by virtue of being a woman and getting to do these things, she's unlocking all of these things for our entire gender. That is so cool. She literally broke the glass ceiling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just sailed right past it. Can't get higher. (laughs) You know, and it's funny. We haven't gotten to her being lesbian, but it's funny that you say that because part of the things I've read were critiques about how tight-lipped she was in regard to her sexuality um but also during this the entire aids epidemic is reaching fever pitch as i say the pinnacle of it right and she's the first woman doing these things so hold all of that in your head got it okay because this is 84 i was born in 84 This is 83, where she's operating that arm, okay? So remember 1983, because there's going to be a couple of other dates that are going to be very interesting here in just just seconds, just seconds. So Ride's history-making Challenger mission wasn't her only space flight. She also became the first American woman to travel to space a second time when she launched another Challenger mission, STS-41-G, on October 5th, 1984. That mission lasted nine days. On that flight, she used the robotic arm to... Is this the same flight? I don't think so. Okay, so she uses the robotic arm from to remove ice from the shuttle's exterior and then to readjust the radar antenna. Oh, cool. Ride was assigned a third subtle mission, but her crew's training was cut short by the Challenger disaster in January of 86. Yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, that that kind of probably grounded a lot of people who were planning on doing future missions. Yeah. While while Ride shaped the future of space aeronautics on her first historic Challenger flight, she continued to influence the space program after all of those space travel days were over. Ride served on the accident investigation board set up in response to the two space shuttle tragedies, Challenger in 86 and Columbia in 2003. In 2009, she participated in the Augustine Committee that helped define NASA's spaceflight goals. Now, one thing to, th- to remember is from 1982 to 1987, Ride was married to a fellow astronaut, Stephen Hawley. They had no children. Okay. So during all this, she is married to a man. And then she leaves NASA in 87, and her passion for space and science still continues. She joined Stanford's University Center for International Security and Arms Control. 
and she becomes a professor of physics at the University of California, San Diego. Nice. And because she's not busy enough, she serves as the president <laughs> of space.com from 1999 to 2000. That's awesome. So she space.com. Yeah. That, that was like her baby for a bit. That's awesome. Believing that it was important to encourage students, especially girls, to embrace the study of science, she co-founded Sally Ride Science, a science outreach company in 2001 with her partner, Tam Hoshaughnessy. Oh, the friend from... The, the friend the from being 12. Gotcha. Okay. Good on After graduating UC Riverside, O'Shaughnessy became the chief operating officer and executive vice president of Sally Ride Science, the organization founded by Ride in 2001. Of all of the company's efforts, one of them included, I didn't know this was a thing, a moon cam experiment onto unmanned NASA's moon gravity probes, which allows students to choose and take their own photos of the moon from lunar orbit. That's awesome. That would do it for me as a kid. Yes. You know, just to be able to be like, this is the photo you took. Nobody else took this photo. You did that. Yeah, agreed. Mm -hmm. Ryan and O'Shaughnessy teamed up together and wrote five science-related children's books to Space and Back, Voyager, The Third Planet, The Mystery of Mars, and Exploring Our Solar System. Ride died on July 23rd, 2012, at the age of 61, after finishing a 17-month battle with pancreatic cancer. Mm. Ride received numerous accolades, and I'm really only halfway through my notes, after her death. The spot on the moon where NASA initially crashed ebb and flow, the two gravity mapping probes on the Grail mission, were renamed after her. That's awesome. Ray Ride played a key role in the project's mission and outreach efforts. The U.S. Navy renamed a research ship after the astronaut. Uh, Barack Obama uh, posthumously awarded her with the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is the nation's highest civilian honor in That's November of 2013. Yep. You want to hear the quote that he said when he... Yes. Gave the award. Don't make me wait, woman. Okay. As the first American woman in space, Sally did not just break the stratosphere glass ceiling. She blasted through it. And when she came back to Earth, she devoted her life to helping girls excel in fields like math, science, and engineering. Yes. In 2014, journalist Shen, or in two, in two, <laughs> take two. In 2014, journalist Lynn Sher released a book about Sally Ride called Sally Ride, America's First Woman in Space. Sher covered Ride's career extensively while working for ABC News. And over the years, the two women became friends. Shortly after the book was published, Sher did an interview with Space.com partner Collect Space about Ride's career and the importance of the woman's movement in her life. Which is, you know, neat to hear about all of that. Yeah. O'Shaughnessy, her partner, wrote a children's biography of Ride called Sally Ride, a photobiography of America's pioneering woman in space. In an interview with space.com, O'Shaughnessy said that Cher, the previous author, the one who covered her 
did an excellent job in her family approved biography, but she wanted another one to convey Sally Wright's message to children. I started thinking about doing one myself for kids and trying to do it as appropriately as I could with all the issues of death and being gay and being in a gay couple and Sally being such a hero to so many people, she said in a space.com interview in 2015. In late 2017, the U.S. Postal Service announced that Ride's image would appear on a stamp in 2018. The design portrayed a painting of Ride as she would have appeared about the time of her first space flight in 1983. Behind her is a space shuttle heading into space. Quote, Sally Ride inspired the nation as a pioneering astronaut, brilliant physicist, and dedicated educator, the USPS said in a press release at the time. And then in an article on Slate.com, O'Shaughnessy goes on to say that Sally didn't want to be defined as the lesbian gay label, just as she didn't want to be defined, defined by a gender label. We both didn't like the categories and didn't want to define ourselves by our sexuality. But in the end, Tam turned things around. With Sally in her final days, the two women started to plan a celebration of Ride's life an event for the after that took their minds off of the now. But Tam saw the disconnect and she asked Sally how she, Tam, should identify herself at the party. Sally considered the question and said, I want you to decide. Whatever you want to say, however much you want to say is fine with me. She later added, being open about us might be very hard on NASA and the astronaut corps, but I'm okay with that. Whatever you think is right is fine with me. And Sally died several days later. She never saw the obituary that Tam wrote for the company website documenting their history. She totally missed her own coming out party. Being the first American woman in space was the honor that Sally never sought. She just wanted to fly. But she embraced the symbolism and served as a spectacular role model for nearly 30 years, being the poster child for gay astronauts who may have well robbed her of whatever privacy that she had left. And in 2014, at the space, a space in 2014, at the space in 2014, in, okay. I'm away. 2014 is killing you, isn't it? It is. Okay. But it's, (laughs) it's this Johnson space center. I can't remember to say the word Johnson. Johnson. I know can't any any synonym of dick i was gonna say it's because you're doing a lesbian right now so probably yeah (laughs) at the richard johnson (laughs) space oh that poor man oh that poor man in 2014 at the johnson space center the lgbt employees group honored her as part of their gay pride ceremonies she is after all the only openly gay astronaut so far That is, can I just say how much I appreciate that it doesn't, what are the words that I'm looking for? Like, you know, when you, you find out, like, for example, that a man is part of this community, you assume automatically what their profession is. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And like, as far as, and I guess that's the stereotypical, but it's so fun to hear a story where this woman was literally like my goal in life is to inspire 
and educate and fly. And yeah. it doesn't matter what my personal life looks like. These are the things I'm publicly doing, but my personal life also will benefit and inspire and educate when the time comes well, without I, even trying, you know? I don't think, and this is part of the the controversy around her being gay. First off, it's dumb that there's controversy, but um, it's just part of the issue is like she remained closeted to you know, her parents and until after her dad died until like, until after, you know, the, the, the big scare of AIDS and HIV, you know, pretty much not fled the public consciousness, but weren't such a forefront. Right. Um, and you know, there's there, the, the criticism you'll see is imagine all the good she could have done if she just threw some of her political capital our way. If she had just, you know, like wore a pen, flew a flag, put the bumper sticker on, whatever it is, right? If if she had just did the modicum of support under that identity, they feel it would have done a lot for the entire group. And hmm. I, I I see the, I understand that. But I also understand kind of what O'Shaughnessy is saying by saying, look, you know, she didn't have a ton of privacy to begin with because she was already such a public figure who yeah. dedicated her life. Let her be. Right. <laughs> I I, that, I guess that's the, the point of what I'm saying. Like you, I guess so often today people put so much of their private life public. Yeah. Like, like it's refreshing to hear a story where she gave so much of herself but was allowed to keep like she strived to keep a portion of her life whatever that portion is doesn't matter if it's that you know she loved to go fishing on Sundays like it doesn't matter right like but she found a way to keep her personal life her personal life without it being a public thing but then later when it is a public thing it is an inspiration to people of that community that are like yeah i can do this too mm -hmm. i don't i don't just have to be regulated to the careers that are stereotypical of my peers i can do all the things which maybe that was the whole point like for for such a time and place you know right you know and one of the things i was reading and i can't even remember the source but it, i mean it was in one of the things i read above um there was a quote from her sister bear and I it was the sister's name. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> and the only reason why I remember the name, the, the sister's name, first off, it's in like the NASA biography. And I was just kind of like, okay. And I kind of glazed over it. And then like reading quotes from Bear, I was like, oh, that is your name. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Logging that away for later. Um, but it was basically like, this is after, you know, Sally's past and after Sally's dad's past. And Bear was saying that, um, it was interesting because her parents were, were fairly conservative and that both her and Sally ended up being lesbian and being Democrats. And the <laughs> reporter had said, you know, well, which one do you think would have bothered your father more? And she goes, oh, probably being the Democrats. We'd have been I, accepted for this. Yeah, honestly, I think that's it's it's funny to me because that's such a common like you hear that like oh yeah. my dad my dad didn't mind so much this but he really minded this and it's like wait right what? <laughs> it's 
like, <laughs> okay, really? It was just on taxes. That's 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 where that he was going to throw that you out. Yeah, huh? that okay. was that was the deciding yeah. factor. It was. It wasn't that you wanted your nose pierced, huh? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. you know, honestly, I can get behind <laughs> that. The height of your heel would wouldn't bother me either. Me either. Parents are so weird. Both the ones that we have as well as the ones we are. Oh, for sure. Like, I like to, like, I, my hope for my children is that my my children grew up going, you know what? My mom was so weird. She made life so entertaining. We laughed all the time. She couldn't sing a lick, but she sang at the top of her lungs and it made us smile. And they do the same for their kids. When my dad, I want to make sure they know they're loved and they know they're accepted. And whatever your life choice is, your life choice, my job is to simply love you. And, you know, I want to be honest, like, first off, I think every human needs therapy. I think for some reason or another, honestly, (laughs) you get two years as a starter pack. (laughs) And then beyond that, you know, you, you build your own adventure. Um, but when my daughter talks about me to her therapist, I want her therapist to laugh. Yes. Out loud in session, not yeah, like I... wait for her politely to leave and then just, oh my gosh, can you believe the cojones <laughs> on this one? I love wow. This. <laughs> I need to tell somebody Someone right earned back. their mom of the year mug here, you know? <laughs> yes. I very much want my that yeah that's i want my kids to be like oh lord god yep that's mine that one's mine (laughs) and then their friends to be like dude your mom is hilarious your dad's pretty sick too but your mom she's so funny and also she cooks us really good food which is so far the track i'm on at first i really thought you were gonna say your mom's so hot which one of mike's friend's moms had that rep and it was hilarious Okay, I don't want to be that friend's mom, but I will say that when Ethan was like in second or third grade, he had this he had this friend who's I they might still be friends. I can't remember if this student still goes to the same school, but um who told Ethan or one of Ethan's other friends that he was absolutely in love with me and he was gonna marry me one day. And Ethan thought it was the funniest thing ever. And I was like, well, Ethan, it's because I actually set boundaries. And he loves having me in class with him because I don't play his game. Like, I make him work for it. And he goes, yeah, he said you were tough, but he liked that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) The little girl that lives directly across from us, she's three, four, little kid right? Little one. Mm-hmm. She is absolutely enamored with Mike. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> and I do too. And it makes him so uncomfortable because <laughs> all the kids are playing in the yards and she sees Mike's car driving down the road coming toward her. <gasps> and Mike said he didn't understand what was happening at first, but he's paying attention for the kids. And as he's pulling you know, further and closer and closer, he's watching my daughter corral her because she's noticing what's happening too. And she's trying to prevent the toddler from wandering in front of vehicles. And she just sees this kid get clotheslined by a well-meaning 10-year-old. And 
And so then, you know, she he gets out of the car and he goes, what's going on? And she's like, I just wanted to say hi and give you a hug. And he goes, well, hi, doesn't give her a hug and runs out away. And I'm like, <laughs> you didn't hug the child? He goes, no, it makes me uncomfortable. Oh, and I mean, here's where I had to have the conversation about consent in my own head with myself. But I'm thinking like, you like, hug the little girl, you jerk. I mean, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> but the truth is, if he's uncomfortable, then it's, you know, that's a good enough reason to not hug. It's the same reason why I didn't want to hug, you know, grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. I came home one day to the little girls. Oh, I'm trying to remember how old she was. Maybe five. Well, now she's five now. So she's three or four. And she has her two older cousins. And when I say older, I mean only like seven or eight. Okay. Not much older. But I come home. I'm pulling into the driveway. The boys have been both inside all day. They haven't come out one time. And one of the three little girls stops me. And then the youngest, who is our actual neighbor, stands up and goes, Um, excuse me, but could one of your sons be my boyfriend? (laughs) And I was like, I'll have to ask. I'm, this is a lot. And the the oldest of the cousins was like, I am so sorry. I don't think she understands. And she's only like eight or nine herself, you know? Right. Yeah. So she's she's so learned. So learned. She's like, I don't think she understands what we were talking about, but she really wants a boyfriend and she likes both your sons. And I'm like, cool. Great. So I walk in the house at this point, they're. Ethan's probably 13, so Owen's nine. Right. I walk in the house and I'm like, so who's going to be little girl next door's boyfriend? This is important. <laughs> they were all like, oh, not me. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cute. It's like, oh, good grief. And she barely, we like barely ever see them. She, like, just they're outside at different times than we are, but it makes me laugh so hard every time I think about that. Like, I think I, I was part of an arranged marriage. It was just unclear about the rules that, you know, honestly, it's it's there's no rules yet until money exchanges hands. That's that's how it goes with arranged marriages until then. You could have but was several I betrothed. Have to give her a goat or something. I feel like there was something. Like I that mean, it control. really depends on the culture, right? Because there's some where they pay you to take her and there's others where you pay to take her. That's true. So hmm. is she worth three goats or is her dowry big enough that you can't offload her somewhere because you need that money and you can't afford to pay it back? Can't be both. I'll have to think on it. <laughs> I mean, as, as far as I know, they broke up. <laughs> well. Considering they never even had a first date and the boys did not come outside for the remainder of the week. <laughs> that is the way to keep them indoors. You might as well say they're grounded. It's like, well... <laughs> I'd love to let you out of the house, but you'd have to hold hands and skip. Can you even skip? Highly unlikely. Have you seen the videos? Nobody can skip. Oh They're so cute. But I've so both of my sons can skip and several of my coworkers. However, when I asked my coworkers, they all went down the hallway to do it themselves before they showed anybody else. <laughs> do you want me to tell my story? Do we have Yeah, time we got time. We got time. Okay. So, let me turn on my iPad here. I chose a story that is, or could be, 
politically sensitive. So we say that we're going to use all of the incorrect words. We're going to upset every single person. I'm choosing not to. <laughs> Howard. Sorry. I just really, really love this individual. Um, I am going to tell you the story of William Dorsey Swan. William Dorsey Swan. Are you ready? I am, because I this name sounds completely made up. This sounds like some cosplay character. I would cosplay as William Dorsey Swan. All right, sure. carry on. Okay, so my sources are the American the American Academy de website slash the first drag queen. Oh, rediscovering Black History blogs archives gov William Dorsey Swan, the Queen of Drag. A Wikipedia article on him, which I really am unclear how much of it was true, but it did clarify one part of the story for me. So I'm going to run with it. The LiverpoolMuseums.org UK, Slavery, Evoguing in the House of Swan. An All That's Interesting.com article called How William Dorsey Swan Became America's First Drag Queen. And um, Channing Joseph's historical research and discovery. And I'm going to say this. Um, literally, I believe all of the information was brought to light by author, journalist, professor extraordinaire Channing Gerard Joseph, another exceptional queer black man. If it weren't for his curiosity and his dedication to Swan's story, we probably would have never heard it. He stumbled upon a headline from the late 1800s and was like, wait, what? And spent the next 15 years trying to learn more of this story. So it, he, he did the work. He, all the other articles are literally either directly quoting him or directly reference his work to their story. Gotcha. I do have a fabulous photo to share, but unfortunately, it is not of Swan. It is of somebody else of the same time frame. I will share it with you if you want to see it. I do. Okay. Um, let me minimize screen because I'm all about showing you photos of my amazing humans that I find. Look at that magnificent beast. <laughs> wow. Absolutely fabulous the okay hair, so it like is a hat it is a, a black man i'm assuming in a white long sleeve dress like a parade um, gown mm -hmm. yep and it's 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 got a headdress on that's serving some chiquita banana vibes yeah it's like a it's a bonnet um like a like a southern lady's bonnet okay yep i'm yeah. i can picture that okay um, so a lot of a lot of websites attribute to this to actually being Swan himself, but we there are no surviving images of him, which is really sad. But gotcha. That is the closest of what someone at that time would have looked like while showing off, if you will. Okay. Okay. So it's fabulous. I absolutely love him. He was born. I have to get down there into slavery in 1860 hancock washington county maryland amongst 12 brothers and sisters first off i'm having a hard time juxtaposing 
the incredible sequence wigs gowns heels get up of a drag queen with the humble origins of being born in slavery well if it weren't for his actions we wouldn't have those sequence and pearls and big hair Okay, I mean, I'm just letting you know that despite having previously said that history happens chronologically, let in my brain, there's a 300-year chasm in between these events. Dude, 100% because I was like, wait, what? No. But the more I looked, the more I was like, oh, okay. I mean, if that's what we're rolling with, then... That's what we're doing. Okay, carry on. Um, So like I said, he was born in washington county maryland amongst 12 brothers and sisters he was born on a plantation i consider does it matter to share the woman who owned the plantation's name i don't think so because it's not her story no i mean i honestly she's not adding anything yeah um i mean sally wright's husband barely added anything Okay, um, other than she was secretly married for five years to this man. Well, that... no, other than if you subtract the 27 years that they were together, they were together while they were married. Sorry, I didn't quite Oops. get to that. Sorry, scandal. But anyhow. You, you just spilled the tea, didn't I you? I did. Or maybe <laughs> they hooked up and were dating in college and that was part of the two-year period. So there was no overlap. Who knows? But either way, she's, she, she chose her in the end. She did, and for a decent period of time. But anyhow, carry on, because I want to hear um, about our, our okay. drag queen. So he was just two years old when the Emancipa- Emancipation Proclamation was signed. And unlike so many formerly enslaved peoples of his time, his family was actually able to save enough money and purchase a small farm not wow. too long after the proclamation was signed. Um, Wikipedia gives a... I think Wikipedia and one of the other sources include his mother and father's names and what their uh, professions were. But because I couldn't find anything from the researcher that did the bulk of the research stating this, I'm not going to include their names because I'm not entirely sure if that's the truth. Okay, fair. Um, I feel like it might be, but he never once announced, like, wrote about them. So I would have to assume that if he knew who they were, he would have included them in the rest of his research. Um. At this point, there's little else known about his childhood. However, we know that his first job was as a hotel waiter there in Hancock. Then he moves to Washington, D.C. to make more money, and he learns to read and write while there. This part is so interesting. In 1882, when William was just 24 years old, he was charged with petty larceny. He pled guilty and was given seven months six for stealing a book from the washington library company as well as a month for stealing some household goods belonging to his boss and stealing a library book that's a that should be a dollar fifty fine you okay so but what is interesting about this is so he steals the book and he steals a few household items i don't know what they are but they're like your basic necessities is what it doesn't sound like he went after the family jewels Right. Um, He did steal them from his boss, Henry and Sarah Spencer. Um, Swan was employed by Spencer as a, at the Spencer Ian Business College. Here's the interesting part. The very next month, the Spencer family, including Harry and Sarah, Henry and Sarah, excuse me, other employees, the sentencing judge, and the assistant U.S. attorney would petition the president for the pardon of William. 
Wow. The petitioners give details of the incident as well as a glowing review of William himself stating that, quote, he was free from vice, intrigued, refined his habits and associations, gentle in his disposition, and courteous in his bearing. The petition goes on to say that he was just trying to pr- improve his education and better provide for his family. He was sending money home, and he was doing his best to provide for his siblings and his his family back home yeah. in Hancock. Um. The Spencer stated that they would happily offer William lifetime employment as a college janitor, which in the 1880s, just post-emancipation, like, to me, that so speaks to the caliber of people that Henry and Sarah were. Right. And even more so to the individual of William Swan himself. And let's skip over the fact that nobody has lifetime employment offers anymore. Right. And they were like, no, 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 listen. He was just trying to better his situation. We want to take care of it. And you can actually go online and see the the pardon, like the petition. It's beautifully oh. written. I'll send you my notes if you want to see them because I Heck have yeah. them in the picture. They're so gorgeous. Um, he was <clears throat> he was given the the pardon. Um that particular time one of the things that i thought was interesting about the petition though was that it lists his race and his looks and i haven't read other petitions from 1880 america at the you know i don't know if that was standard like across the board whether you were a white man or an asian man or you know whatever the case may be i don't know if it was notated but it was notated in his case but i honestly think it speaks to better him than anything this is what he looks like. This is what he is. This is his character. And his character, above all, is the most important, like, highlighted event of this petition. By 1880s, Swan begins hosting drag balls in Washington, D.C. Whoa. Uh-huh. And That's like a hundred years before I thought that they happened. Yeah. Um, he refers to himself as, quote, the queen of drag. I didn't even know that was a term yet. He was in, it's it's believed that he was the very first. And like, he, he was maybe the creator of the term. Whoa. Um, he, he made up the name for himself. So my assumption is, at least in America, that he was numero uno. Um, one could even say that... He, because of this, he was a leader of a queer resistance group by simply holding these parties. But that wouldn't be the only thing he does for his community. But before I get into that, let me tell you a little bit about how the balls go. There are these lavish events with the attendees in their finest garbs. They're believed to be rooted in the idea of the grand rags or masquerade balls of the antebellum south. Okay. Swan would organize everything from the food to the music for his like-minded friends, and they would go and have themselves a grand time. The invitations were very much a secret and offered and often whispered to one another at the YMCA. Like, no. Okay, so. I'm I'm just realizing that this (laughs) boy, I'm not man, but as a boy was born born into slavery. Mm Mm-hmm grew up either seeing through windows or through 
you know, having to work at these events and thinking and daydreaming about, wouldn't it be neat to be all gussied up? That's exactly what I'm thinking he did. Because a lot of the other attendees of these events were other hotel workers, um, waiters, concierge, footmen, coach drivers, um, the working class of his people group. Holy cow. They would like because obviously you can't just meet out in a public place right they're they're still working in a very um for lack of a better word a very racist time and situation yeah and so they're not going to be hosting these lavish balls at your your banquet centers or your your taverns or your pubs so they're like whispering oh let's meet blah 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 over at you know so-and-so street right okay so But because of that, there is something called the creation of the House of Swan. And that, to me, is, like, the best thing ever. Basically, Swan creates this found family, for lack of a better word, of like-minded individuals who are just trying to blow off steam. They want to have a good time. They spent their entire week serving the man. They're making money now, but they've all been through slavery. They've all seen it. Right. Like, this is not a hundred years later. This is just... This This just happened. Yeah, this like just... Yeah. 18 years ago. Right. You know, so they, they've been through it. So he creates this... I don't... Organization isn't the right word. It's basically a found family where you have costumers and you have um, people that are exceptionally good at doing hair and wigs mm-hmm. and building these amazing things that we see today as like high fashion, right? Um, And they all convene under Swan. Like he is their leader. He's the person that they show up for. He is their quote queen. So earlier you said the phrase found family, which reminded me of something I just learned recently. You've heard the phrase blood is thicker than water, right? Yeah. It's a misquoted phrase. Really? The full phrase, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. So the blood of your chosen family is thicker. I mean, that makes sense. So to hear you say his chosen family, I'm just like, yeah, the blood of the covenant. Yeah, and and they really were like, one of the things I read talked about how even today you have these, these groups and they put on these magnificent performances and they're very similar to what they would have been like then with like the parading around and the shows and the big hair and the bonnets, the whole thing. Right. But you would have like these older gentlemen that are, I don't know how to word this appropriately, but they're essentially referred to as the mothers. They're there to care for the younger generation, whether that's from helping them walk through the identity that they're trying to figure out or helping them figure out how to appropriately apply foundation. Well, like, so you did say you don't know if this is the appropriate term. I feel like this is a, a a good opportunity for us to stop and admit our our biases and that we are open. We we are likely to mess up and step on toes. And right now, you know, you and I are making the conscious choice to read stories that are not commonly told or not oh. shared or ones that you or I didn't know coming into this. Yeah. In the hopes of 
just learning more and bettering ourselves and and doing the work. Yes. And I, I want to make sure that is extremely stressed because since we are doing the work, you know, just like a person learning a new language, you're going to say bizarre things like the chair is made of chapstick. The cat can play the <laughs> piano. And can someone please help. <laughs> and then you're going to go, this, this person's trying to find strawberries. I will help them figure out where they're, where to go. You know, but just, you know, recognize that when, you know, we're talking about these things, we don't know what we don't know and we're doing our best, which is why we're about to make a ton of mistakes. Probably. Yeah. So <laughs> correct us, but do so with love because our intentions are, are to in learn. the right place. Yeah. We, and we want to learn and we want to share what we've learned so that other people can learn. Um, and we're also not fragile enough to not take the critique when we F it up because we're going to F it up. Yeah. I'm certain of it, <laughs> but we're okay. going to try our best not to. <laughs> But I just, I just want to own all of that. So. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. wholly agree. Um, yeah. So I just thought it was interesting that that was, that was part of it. Like these men, whether they were older gentlemen or younger gentlemen, like they genuinely cared for each other. Yeah. And, and not just in a physical way. But like we care about your heart, we care about your well-being. Like here, we want to love you, and we want to love you well. Well, I so mean, we're trying to build a community of that. There's a community right? of people who stand in, like other gay people who true to stand in the gap for family members. Like your family disowned you. You need a dad to walk you down the aisle. I'll be your dad. Not not for the right. day. I'm gonna stand in your life because that's what that's what we're called to do. A hundred percent. And when I was thinking about this story, because I was thinking about it from the perspective of a, I'd say, fairly conservative, heterosexual white woman. <laughs> right. Yeah. So as biased as we can get, let's own it. You <laughs> right. Know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that I know it's not mine, like nobody else's story is mine to judge. It is mine to love whatever. Because I can only ask for the same thing. Right. Right. So like, teach me, help me learn. And I think you're magnificent. Like, what are you? You're so brave. You're so brave. Like, you're I so couldn't brave. even. And how you apply concealer is a Can work of please? art. For the love of Show God, do you me. see what these fluorescent lights are doing to me? Just, just have help you me seen out. this? Mama, please. Pull me aside, <laughs> blot my face, and go shame, 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 sister. Oh, and just, girl, just let's... help me out mm, because. Exactly. And I feel like this group really was really was that um all that to say so the house of swan is like their found family and that is still a functioning organization or organizational style of these groups of people today like he put in motion things over a hundred years ago that are still very much the foundation and the for lack of a better word the artwork that is RuPaul today. Wow. That is like strike a pose, Vogue. Like the that was him over a hundred years ago. Whether we knew it or not. Like right. the things he was doing have not stopped since then. They've just been underground until it became fashionable for for you know. Right. Which I think is awesome. And it also made me think of like when you think of fashion houses like the house of Armani, like how much of that ties together? I wonder, I'm curious, right? Oh, I'm sure. Because like you look at our, 
our LGBTQ community and many of them are just completely embedded in fashion. Like how many times you're like, you know, I either need one of my friends who's really good at putting together a color palette or my gay coworker to help me out, make sure that I'm not messing up with this couch I'm about to buy. Please. Like, yes, it's just not my gifting. And I'm grateful there are those out there. Gifting it is. So can you please just help me? Yes. So what I think is the best is um, I could literally talk about just their fashion all day, but their outfits were amazing and they were delightfully described in a newspaper article. Go on. (laughs) From January of um, 1887, the Washington critic states, hold please. There's some really, um, you want me to proceed because there's some negative connotated words in these articles. Would you just like me to skip those words? Um, well, let's think about this because I have follow-up questions before, you know, so I can make a informed decision. Are they words where you can just kind of like gloss over or is using the N-word the bulk of the article? And no. Hard- no, um, I think actually that only shows up once. Uh, the the term is colored. I can I just mean, not say that part. I can just blank it out. Yeah, just just <laughs> skip past it. Okay. Um. So this article comes from the Washington Critic of. It's from January of eighteen eighty seven, and it states six men dressed in elegant female attire were arraigned in the dock at the police court this morning on charge of being suspicious persons. They nearly all had on low neck and short sleeve silk dresses, several of them with trains, as well as corsets, bustles, long hose, slippers, and everything that goes with making a female's dress complete. What are you in for? Being fabulous! <laughs> Literally what I... Do you see these gloves? Um, another paper goes on to say things like the arrests of several black men wearing, quote, bewitching fasteners, silk chassés, or cashmere dressers while en route to the ball. Okay, so can you imagine being the nosy neighbor of Mr. Swan in Washington, D.C.? Oh, by the way, he lives less than 12 blocks from the White House. Hell yes. Um, being the nosy neighbor that's like, you know, I have this neighbor. He's really nice. He brings me the paper every morning. But on Friday evenings, this these dresses walk by and I just can't stop looking. The neighbors were following them for blocks because they were like entranced or just trying to understand or whatever. But it never seems to me like it's the neighbors that call the police. <laughs> But the neighbors were always peeking out the window to see what was going on. Um, But this wouldn't be the only time that Swans and his friends would have run in with the law. Because this is the 1880s. Right. Later, in 1888, during his 30th birthday party, with the queen himself, decked out in a, quote, gorgeous dress of cream-colored satin, the police showed up and Swan blocked the door while most of his guests were able to escape out a window. He is quoted as telling 
one of the officers that was trying to force his way in oh no him in jail this act of holding the door is one of the first documented cases of um lgbtq plus activism and um, violence occurring towards them so him just holding the door saying nope you're not coming in let my friends leave and you is no gentleman which I was like, get it, brother. You're just having a dinner party. Which they were, because one of the other newspapers talks about how the police chief literally heard what he said were effeminate voices carrying on a conversation and enjoying their meal before they opened the door. Like, so obviously they're not causing chaos. No. He was having a dinner party. And that makes me so angry. Like, who cares what you wear to the dinner party like he is celebrating his birthday with like 30 of his friends yeah let him be it's his own home but anyway (laughs) his activism wouldn't stop there he was later in 1896 quote charged with keeping a disorderly house which is a polite way of saying a brothel however i have read that charge against my family more times than I care to admit. And it was never (laughs) because we were engaged in any kind of solicit. Uh, Yeah, I don't ever think it is. I think that's just, especially back then, was the polite way of saying something they couldn't find the words to use. Perhaps they were worried about the constitution of the ladies reading the evening paper. I'm unclear, but apparently that phrase is used a lot. I mean, um, it's kind of hilarious. It's like being right. in the family way. And it's like, yeah, but my family's not in my way and I'm not in theirs. I just have this image of of Swan and his friends like sitting in the jail cell like my home is clean. Right. <laughs> because that's the stupidest charge ever. Um, and And his balls had nothing to do with it. There was not a brothel. And he would later petition the president the sitting president at the time was Grover Cleveland for a pardon. It was denied. Swan served 10 months, but this was the first time that someone would request for legal and political protection in this community in American history. And this was before 1900. This was 50 years before Stonewall. Good grief. Right? He retired from the scene in the late 1890s, but his brother carried on making costumes and hosting the pageant-filled balls and parties for another 50 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine just being the little old drag queen up in the corner? Like, you've already retired. Your grandkids come to the show with you just to watch the scene. <laughs> you know, like... It, I don't know why, but the first thought I thought of is like the crews in um, New Orleans that get together for the parade, mm-hmm. like the work and the effort they put in. I feel like it's the exact same style of effort and art put together. I could imagine that. I mean, right? just think about how close your theater group was in, in college. Now times that by centuries, or not centuries, but decades and like actual right. skill and not janky things made of curtains. Right, and so much skill. Um, he did go back home to Maryland in 1900, I think probably for his own well-being and that of his friends, because every time they were le- arrested, their names would be listed in the newspaper. 
And not only so, names, but have you read some of those old newspapers? Their the addresses are put in there too. Yeah, they're gnarly. So I think probably he goes back home to Maryland for the safety of the people that he loves. Like You mean not living in the South with <laughs> racism and your name listed with your address and every and you were caught wearing a lady's bonnet and high-heeled shoes. Like, right. whatever. Yeah. So he goes home. Um, <laughs> he dies sometime around 1925. Not really sure exactly when or how. But what but is interesting to note... When was he born again? 1860. So he was only okay. in the 60s. So that's that's not an acceptable age, but more acceptable... You know, yeah. it's not like he was 25 and. No. Um, so when he was serving his his time in jail that he petitioned for that um, Cleveland denied, the doctor that was caring for him, like the prison doctor, the jail doctor, whatever you want to call him, wrote at one point that he was very healthy but then a few months later notated about him having some type of heart condition and it's uh, it's unclear as to whether he was just trying to help him get out of jail because it seems like this man literally charms everybody he meets and you can't help but love him okay um but it, the the petitioning board and the president just deemed him still healthy enough to serve out the rest of his sentence. So I don't know if maybe he really was suffering from something and that's what it was because there's nothing that indicates how he died, but just that he died at home. Okay. What's interesting though, is local city officials burn his house down afterward. I mean, how else are you going to deal with all the sequins? Because the glitter literally gets everywhere, everywhere. and there's no getting it out of every cranny. Ever and it's gonna be there forever. Forever. I mean, honestly, that part makes sense. That's the only part of the story that any kind of <laughs> civil force. What are they thinking? Yeah, yeah, you know, honestly, you're going for the glitter. I get it. I support your endeavor. However, because they did that, any like um, documentation of who he was, as far as like photographs or perhaps a journal, went with it. Like, there's no surviving information about him. That upsets From me. Me too. Um, and also, this is 1925 when the Ku Klux Klan is making its, you know, grand entry into the world. or the, Right? So I don't know exactly what all was involved in that. But what's what I love is that he did not see himself as an activist. He was, when he was, in fact, the first in the nation in a time when simply being a black man was cause enough to be scared. He wanted a safe place for his friends to gather and enjoy the evening. He has also has said to have a close, intimate relationship, specifically with Pierre La Pierce Lafayette, but also he did have a, a, a close friendship with Felix Hall. I mentioned them because little is known about his personal love life, but Pierce Lafayette and Felix Hall are the <laughs> first documented previously enslaved men to be part of a same-sex couple. Can we also just say that he just want he he's a, this revolutionary figure because he wanted a place for his friends to eat in safety. Pretty much, yeah. He how low him... is that bar? Uh, right. It it, ma it made me so mad on one hand, but then on the other hand, I so 
admire his you is no gentleman like right. you could have i get even from the little bit of information i was able to find i get that if those policemen would have just knocked on the door and asked to come in he would have let him in <laughs> because like why not probably fixed him a plate if they were cool that's, about it that's the image i have of him in my mind like he invited so many people into his life and into his community that it seems it would seem counterproductive of him to not try to include them as well you know right so it just makes me so mad but the liverpool museum has this wonderful quote about him the queen being a queen swan was existing unmasked bright and flamboyant as themselves unafraid and free swan was one of the early adopters of the old slave tradition of the cakewalk dance that would become a regular performance routine when it was introduced in paris france in 1902 and still forms a part of the aesthetic and social structure of the drag scene today often exhibited as voguing in case you're curious it's called the cakewalk dance because the winner because it was judged the winner would be given some type of hoe cake or confection as a prize. <laughs> I love that. Right? So like, oh, girl, you killed it. Here's your cake. <laughs> it's totally what I'm seeing. And I'm like, why do we not all get cake at the end? We should all get cake. <laughs> you know, I would be more about participation trophies if they were cake. <laughs> Same. <ad. laughs> I might do the sport if I could get some cake at the end. <laughs> um, MSN had this to say about Swan. Swan was an African-American man born into slavery who became America's first self-described drag queen and an originator of ballroom culture. A pioneer of the queer liberation movement, Swan often put himself in danger in order to take a stand for queer rights. And, um, and those rights are literally just existing. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um... Uh, and, and this, this I included a couple of like images of, of the newspaper articles. My favorite one, it, because it's so, it seems so counter uh, what you would think the police would be allowing to put in the newspaper. But one of them says this: "Quote the queen raided unexpected in- interruption to her banquet and ball. Her Majesty shows fight with a policeman in the contest. Her." Hans' dress was torn off, all landed in the station house. Her what Hans, was torn off? Her her ball gown. Um, the incident where she said he was no gentleman and, oh, and yeah, they ripped yeah. her gown to shreds and they took her to jail. Um, I think it is absolutely hilarious that the local newspaper was like the queen and her majesty. Like, it, are the journalists on her side? I feel oh, they're like on the her journalists... side. They're a little bit <laughs> on her side. Because I just love it. <laughs> if that was written in a Fox affiliate, it would have been so much worse. I just absolutely love it. Um, and lastly, the all that's interesting.com article writes, Swan endured grotesque sexual bigotry and racism for his unorthodox style and the pageantry of his events. According to Channing Gerard Joseph's The House of Swan, he was jailed and humiliated as an early victim of anti-LGBTQ hatred and laid the groundwork for that community's resistance. So not only is wow. he laying the groundwork for activism, he is laid the groundwork for pageantry that still exists today and in all I, of refinery. I've never heard a thing. Me either. And, and the only reason, and I think this is also super worth mentioning, the only reason we know anything 
is because the author, Channing Joseph, he while he was at school studying to become a journalist, he happened upon a headline. Um, I'm I don't remember exactly what headline it was that mentioned him, and he was like, "Wait, what? I myself am a am a queer black man. What what is this?" So he kind of scoured the archives trying to find the rest of the story, oh, and there wow. really was no story to put together yet but he spent the next 15 years piecing little bits and pieces of it together just through like the petitioning articles and the newspaper articles and they were able to like tell the story that way and we're only hearing it like today (laughs) wow right and i just want to be his friend i feel like it solved a lot of my fashion problems not that i have problems but you know I am the problem. It's me. Seventy-five dresses. I'm the problem. It's me. Hi. (laughs) Yeah. That's William Dorothy Swan. Fabulous. And he was. (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. You love him as much as me now. I do. I do. I have a crush. I will admit, it's fantastic. If if you Google his name and you search for images, like I said, the images that show up are not of him, but they are some pretty fabulous images. Because one of the other things that was absolutely allowed at his events is that it didn't matter. You could dress how you pleased, whether you wanted to wear a top hat and tails or a gown. So there's like some really great images of this, the, the fellow I showed you at the beginning. Yeah. And then another gentleman doing some version of the cakewalk, but the other gentleman is wearing a top hat and tails. And he has like his walking cane. So it's just this absolute pantomime of delight and they are here having fun. And I hope they got all the cake at the end of the evening. Well, okay. So random aside, that is a parallel to a much lesser extreme. Um, (laughs) In high school, there were two friends I had named will and stephanie they were always together like honestly i i don't know how they got all their classes together they were practically joined at the hip but one was very tall and the other one was short redhead and it was just it was a hilarious pairing well they agreed to go to a one, one prom together on the condition that next year they go together but this time he wears the dress and she wears the tux. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and he agreed. Of course, why not? And so he spent the time finding a dress that would fit, feeling like he could own it. Mm-hmm. And she went to the same tuxedo rental place that everybody else in high school went to. And she got a tux. <laughs> they get there. They are turned away at the door. Oh, devastating probably because everybody was jealous that he was killing it (laughs) he was not indeed killing it um (laughs) that makes it even better (laughs) (laughs) but that was just one of those things i remember going like really like what 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 are you what are you afraid of he's not he can't do he's the same will he was yesterday whether he has pants on or not right it's really interesting it's literally everything covered yeah it's interesting to me that people are fearful. I can see where, like, some connotation could come in that could be scary, but no, 
Because when you think about people like, I don't know, the Scottish. And they're um, wearing it traditionally. At least Will probably has some boxers on. Right. And these other, like, absolutely masculine warrior groups that wore some type of kiltish style. Yeah, yeah. So why is why is it socially, like, th- that's okay, and no one ever bats an eye at it, but then at the same time... It's Mr. like Mr. Swan can't can't wear his silky gown. Like it if, feels nice. I want to wear it. If they're not going to be upset at her wearing a tux, right? Yeah. Like it's then the, my hypocrisy knows no bounds. Mm. <laughs> so, so yeah. Yeah. So there's the story of William Dorsey Swan, and I just I think it's probably Dorsey, but I like saying Dorsey. Dorsey, William Dorsey Swan. I mean, I don't know enough about much to be able to correct you. So you do you, and I'm just going to sit here and go, yeah. I want to believe that if he heard me saying that right now, he'd be like, get it. You're right. That's what I want to hear. But he'd probably correct your Bernay sauce, though. Probably. <laughs> I probably had that coming, though, for being honest. <laughs> but I could make him some sweet confections to hand out at the cakewalk. Yeah, actually, you can. Your Just confections saying. are on point. Thank you so much. I was guilt-tripped into making the boys at work some confections soon because they think that passive-aggressive is what gets them what they want. You've trained them wrong. Surprise. Put some X-lax in these brownies. They pay for this stuff, so like... Okay. Like, if one of them gets a hankering, I'll just find a $10 bill on my desk, like, hey... Do you remember this, them red velvet cupcakes? Does this help buy me the double chocolates? <laughs> I want to contribute. So. I would make a point to say that you only use the finest chocolates that are brought in by a chocolatier in Yokohama, Japan. Um, and, you know, kind of look disgustingly at the money <laughs> and just see if it multiplies. If I leave it there long enough, other guys will throw throw in the pot too. Because they, they know, oh, that means cupcakes. I'd have hot glued a $10 bill to my desk at this point. <laughs> yeah, but then the, the, that comes with then you actually have to do it. Right? Like, but if I'm pulling in an extra grand a week for a tray of brownies, <laughs> I can make do. I mean, at I that can point, make it work. <laughs> you, just, you just bulk bake, get a second freezer... And then just pull another tray out on Monday on your way in. Yeah, yeah. My boss one time said, you know, I finally figured out you've been feeding us cupcakes all these years. And we're all, you know, a few pounds heavier than when you started. And what are you going to do, like, when you stop making us stuff and we start getting, you know, kind of bearish about it and we we chase after you? To which I replied, (laughs) I only have to be faster than one of you. (laughs) (laughs) And they thought that was hysterical while shoving another cupcake in their mouth. And honestly, you're doing a great job at slowing them down by putting on more and more. Right? Like, oh, here's more. Here's another one. Oh, here you go. So when I finally stop, all I have to do is slowly walk away. Pretty much. Oh, look, another one. Like, when he, when that boss left and moved to Hawaii, his going away cake was like this massive rectangular cake. Um, one side of it was just chocolate and the other side was chocolate with bacon baked into it. 
and I made sand out of bacon to go on top of the cake. And wow. so now he also has high cholesterol. And um... <laughs> off of a single honey, he didn't eat the entire cake for morning, noon, and night. He ate that whole half of the cake. That was his half. He didn't want to share that half with anybody else. I respect that. That is a power move that I'm here for. Just like when last year when we went to Hawaii and we invited our in-law, my in-laws, we got to one of the, we were eating at like the Hilton for whatever meal, just hanging out, having a great time. My mother-in-law waitress comes over and she goes, I'll have the shrimp cocktail as, as an appetizer. And the waitress goes, great. And my mother-in-law makes eye contact with all of us. And she goes, and I'm not sharing. And it was, <laughs> it was so out of character. Cause like, we'd been like sharing like everything the whole time, but it was just like, I'm not sharing. And the waitress was like, wow. Okay. So bring six more. Okay. Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Check. Duly noted. You know, you got to guard what's yours. And honestly, clear boundaries, like good fences make good neighbors. Honestly, it's been great. I've loved hearing this. If you've enjoyed our crazy, bizarre stories and all of this stuff that you didn't get to hear because I've had to edit it out, um, you can rate, review, subscribe and force your other friends to listen to us as well. Uh, you can also... We love forced fans. <laughs> you can you can also set this to play as your family's alarm clock and um, <laughs> That's subject them to our that. info dumping. <laughs> we only swear occasionally just to make sure you're listening. So, you know, there's Keep that. And on that note, goodbye. Bye.